This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to BigHeadsMedia.com for more great podcasts. November 1st, and this is Season 6, Episode 11 of the Four Star Spurs Podcast. I'm your host, Anthony. With me this week, we have Lucas. Hello, hello, hello. John. Lovely to be with you, as always. And Nate. Oh! <laughs> well, uh, I think that's a good way to start off, a, ni- a nice good yell, because what a, what a couple days it's been, or 24 hours it's been. Um we we came out of this horrible Man United loss. The, the calls for screaming for Nuno to be sacked. Um, Nuno was eventually sacked, and and then the, these Conte rumors started dripping into the conversation. And I think uh, like if, if you guys were anything like me, I wasn't taking it that seriously at first. It just seemed like oh we're well, just going to go through all the same uh, available names again. Um, and and there's no way he comes. He's coming to us. Uh, he's probably holding out for United, is what my thinking was. Um, and and then slowly, as late last night uh, here in the United States, and then as we got up this morning, it, it started to become a lot more of a reality. And 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 all of a sudden, Conte coming to Spurs didn't seem that ridiculous anymore. So what were your guys' feelings and thoughts on this? I mean, let's go for an emotional approach first. John? Yeah, uh, emotionally, uh, I have to confess, I thought that Nuno would do a lot better than he did. Um, but he didn't. I mean, he he's got a fantastic squad of players, and he just didn't seem to know how to use them. So... Unlike you, I saw Conte as one of about eight people being mentioned, and then it was Conte was one of one person being mentioned. Everybody else is uh, out of the uh, out of the screen right now. I hear that he's one to seven, or one seven uh, from an odds standpoint to be the next manager. So uh, I'm beginning to feel like it's a fate accompli. Sounds, uh, which would be well, good. Romano, I'd be very happy. Romano already com- here we go it. So I'm pretty much, and so did DeMarzio. So I'm, I think it's 100%. We have Conte. It'll be announced, I think, probably at like 4 in the morning for us. Um, but I think he's in. He's 100% in. Um, as of, I mean, the only thing we're waiting for is the announcement tomorrow. Yeah, and that that's what it seems like we're at that point. Like it was, it, I think it was maybe about an hour ago now that uh, 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 Romano gave the, the the here we go, which is which is almost always a hundred percent a sure thing. Um, so uh, it's, it seems like a done deal. I mean, they still got to put ink on paper. I think tomorrow morning, but he's going to be there training uh, tomorrow morning. So this is this is real. Um, and look, let me just say before we we kind of uh, really jump into the Conte conversation, and we got a lot of great questions on it. Um, I do want to say that that Nuno, as terrible as his performance have been, I, he was quite a gentleman. Like he, like you, you cannot uh, question that that he was a decent human being, and I do wish him the best. Um, I know there's a lot of people who've been very negative to him, and he did kind of have a 
you know, he got handed a shitty hand um, where fans were already unhappy with him as, as the appointment. And then uh, any poor performance was just going to make it go worse and worse. So I, I do want to give him those props that, that he is a good person and, I, and he deserves our respect. Uh, John? Yeah, I agree with you that he's, he acted very professionally, but quite frankly, I don't think he stood a chance. The fans thought he was eighth choice when we got him. They didn't really accept the fact that he possibly could do a good job. He was under the cosh right from the start. And then his, the style of play he came up with it wasn't going to win any awards. And I think that's the lad, uh, <laughs> that that effectively... Uh, Put the kibosh on the whole thing. I mean, he, he, oh, oh. yeah. And there we go. My dog agrees with me. If you can hear that, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, I don't think he stood a chance. What about you, Lucas? Well, I, I think what's interesting. I was going to say when Anthony had mentioned that um, Conte might have been holding out for the United job. I think that a weird Spurs like twist on this could have been that us getting smacked by United ended up being and again I don't want to talk too quick because I'm you know how I am guys where I'm always thinking like I always say until I see them holding up a scarf at Hosper Way I'm never getting my hopes up so as much as we hope this is a done deal um I've always always got that little bit of reserve where I don't want to fully give my, get my hopes up but it would be crazy if us getting done in by United ended up keeping Ollie's job for Ollie for a little bit which allowed us to get Conte so maybe that was some crazy Levy plan of all this time, but um, I kind of agree. The writing's been on the wall for me since the Arsenal game. Um, we had those first couple games with Nuno where you thought, okay, we got nine points out of nine. And, you know, well, you know, we we're just getting back into the season. So this maybe isn't the whole style. We will see him open it up. And then we had the misfortune that was that palace week where everything went crazy after the international break. But then we never really saw anything other than that really boring mundane lack of creativity style and for me when he got it wrong against the arsenal game i just knew uh, it it was just a matter of time and i, I thought he probably wasn't going to see it till christmas so um it's a shame it didn't work out but um i do applaud us for making the move now and not letting this go on any further because it's it's about as dark as i can remember it right now Let's go to Nate next. Yeah, no, it was really bad. I think the uh, the 3-0 was very reminiscent, to be honest, of the the AVB 5-0, the Liverpool, that was his last game in charge, where everybody was angry. You could see, I mean, the faces of both of them, I just have ingrained in my mind. Like, they knew it was over. Um, everybody in there knew it was over. And it was just like, we have to do the next 20 minutes of this game, and then everybody gets to move on. But, Lucas, I'm with you. You know... I think ever since Arsenal game, it was just, I, I think for me, it was just a pattern of, okay, we got to wait until we do bad enough again to he's gone because we're not going to progress anywhere where we need to go with him in charge. Um, the Man City game was great for a lot of reasons. It was great that we won. It was great to kind of shut City up after all the Harry Kane saga. Um, but it's one thing to play like that against City. It's another thing then to go in the Wolves and you have another really a game where you probably shouldn't have won. Um, and then you're thinking, okay, well, we still haven't got Harry Kane back. And then, well, we play Watford, we win 1-0. And again, we win, but it's like, it was hardly entertaining and it was hardly impressive. And so after that, you realize, well, this is rust. 
This isn't shaking off rust. This isn't kind of finding our footing when it keeps happening. This is just how it's going to be with him. And once that kind of came into how things were, it was, it was over. And like, it wasn't just like that. It was like, I mean, if it was like the, the, the United lineup, like playing Ben Davis over Reggion and then saying Ben Davis is the, is the more consistent defender because Reggion made a mistake, even though he's one of the only creative outlets we have. It's, it's taking Ndombele out. It's it's having the just nothing in the final third. I mean, we have relegation statistics for all of our for both attacking and defending. We're in the bottom fifteen, and all the statistics. The only thing saving us is individual quality. So it it, it was like a, bad, a lot of us tried to talk ourselves into it being okay, but it ended up being, I think what a lot of everybody was initial thoughts for is like, this doesn't make sense. This isn't going to work out. And it didn't. Uh, John, you want to respond to that? No, I'm, I'm with you. It just didn't work out. And I'm, you know what I think though? I think, you know, there's an old analogy that in astronomy that, that says you can't see something, but you know, it's there because other bodies are moving in different directions so it has to they they know that something's there because it's affecting other bodies and i just got this feeling about tottenham right now that there's something there we can't see it and we don't know what it is but it seems to be having an overall impact on the club on the way that it's run on this you know the the, the uh, revolving door of managers there's something out there and and we don't know what it is but we can see the effects of it and and to me whatever that is we got to find out about it and uh and get rid of it well uh, and oh i'm sorry i didn't mean to, uh, i thought you were finished john go ahead and finish i didn't mean to interrupt Oh, uh, uh, well, what I wanted to interrupt with was uh, um, kind of to, to your point, um, it has been a revolving door of managers. And we have a question that kind of steers towards that a little bit. Uh, it comes from Kevin Bergen on Twitter. Um, is third time supposed to be the charm when it comes to hiring ex-Chelsea managers? And, uh, and obviously we've had uh, um, – Mourinho, most recently as an ex-Chelsea manager, but uh, Nate? I mean, I hate that. Because it's not, first of all, it's not third times a charm. Glenn Hollow was a Chelsea manager before he came to Tottenham, even though he was our legend. So it's actually, this would be fourth times a charm. Um, but either way, um, I, think that's, I think that's just like superstition, to be honest. I think, if, I mean, if you look at the different, coaches avb and jose Mourinho were kind of similar in their play style because i mean avb came from jose's kind of line of coaching but conte's not that conte has an offensive game plan conte has the back three the white fullbacks their ideas it's not just rely on your good players and coach up a defense there's more to it with him um i think to be honest, that's just going in with a negative idea. And if you want to do that, that's fine. You have very nice, you have very, every right to it with Tottenham. Like we ruin everybody. So, I mean, it isn't, it isn't a big step to see. We might ruin Antonio Conte. But if you look at what was available here for right now, this was by far the best guy we could get. I mean, I don't think we're taking, I mean, even if you want your little project, 
I don't mean to kind of, I guess I talked down to that. I shouldn't, but like 10 hogs in the middle of IX who are playing really, really well. Graham Potter denied us in the summer and brighteners are kind of playing all right as well. So it's like, this guy was waiting for this. He turned us down the summer and for whatever reason, now he's happy to be on board. Maybe it's because we kept Kane. Maybe it's because Fabio Partici's actually brought in a couple of good players and it showed we actually did spend some money this year. So for whatever reason though, he's now on board and he is, a title winner here. He's a title winner in Italy, and he did very well for the Italian national team. He is an absolute bona fide star manager, and we should be really excited no matter if he came from Chelsea or not. Don't, don't let that narrative kind of temper your excitement on this. You sh- everyone should be really excited. Uh, I, I, uh, w- I was going to actually ask a question that I think might um... – Lucas, you might be the best one to answer this. Um, like I know in the past we've talked about like how there's this um, like any coach coming in is not, if if Jose Mourinho can coach the, these players, um, then uh, who who are you going to bring in that's going to be able to coach them? Um, I want to ask you: Do you think in, in the case of Antonio Conte, do you think that this is a, a difference maker that can o- over overwhelm? maybe any deficiencies in the players that we have? Uh, yeah, I, I think if anyone would, it would be Conti. Um, I think the biggest thing with someone like Conti coming in is obviously he's going to give us an identity. Nate alluded to it there that Conti has, um, he's proven he has a style and an attacking style. I think um, it's going to allow us to have a little bit more, uh, our fullbacks going forward a little bit more, which has always benefited us and the way we like to play. Um but these guys, yeah, because I, I always used to make that reference where if, like, guys, if if a guy like Mourinho is telling you something and you're not buying into it, then there's clearly some kind of – there's something missing. Because it would be like I, I used the analogy before that if, if John Cena walked into the pub and wanted to give me advice on how to get bigger biceps, I wouldn't tell him, nah, nah, I got this covered. You don't know shit. Like, clearly John Cena knows what he's doing and how to – he's a unit. So, like, if – if he wanted to give you exercise tips, you would take them. So where did, if Mourinho was telling you something, the most winning or like the winningest manager in football is telling you to do things a certain way. Like, how do you not buy in? So I think with Nuno, I think there was a certain, I think we all had the, the low expectations because that he was the 10th or 11th choice. But I think Nuno might've thought that this was too big for him. Like I, maybe there's something with Nuno where this was too big of a job for him. I don't know, but, I think with Conti coming in, um, he's definitely going to have the confidence and the authority to really make a statement with a lot of these guys. And I think we'll see the players respond positively to that as opposed to what we had with Nuno. Uh, John? Yeah, I think the situation is entirely different between Mourinho and uh, and Conte because um, – and I just want to go back a little while uh, to the fact that this is the fifth Chelsea manager. I mean, what a bunch of crap. The managers do well, and then suddenly they don't do well, and they move on to another team. Um, if you look at the history of what Conte's done, I don't care where he's been. I don't care what he's done, what, you know, who he's managed before. He's a, if he's our man, he's our man, and uh, he's a very well-qualified guy. Um but it was there an issue that the Nuno did not have the the uh, respect of the players, so they didn't really feel like they wanted to play his way because they didn't think he was good enough to know how 
how they were going to play. I, I don't know. Um, but certainly the same thing occurred with Mourinho. And I think the difference there is that there was a man whose arrogance was uh, so huge that you could easily dislike the man. I mean, I disliked him before he was our manager. I disliked him when he was our manager, and I don't like him now. Um, so I can understand how uh, if somebody comes across the way he does, uh, certainly if if he was involved in my life or my business and he came in with that attitude, I wouldn't listen to a word he said, uh, no matter what he'd done in the past. And so hence, I do believe that Conte has... Uh, the good sides of Mourinho, but without that arrogance that I think got in the way a lot. Um, so, and you know, th- I just want to say one more thing here, and that is that we're all talking as if this is a fait accompli. If it turns out tomorrow that we hire somebody else, we're going to have to redo this entire podcast, aren't we? <laughs> well, I, I don't think we'll go that far, but yeah, it, it would date the podcast greatly, but it, this seems to be pretty close to done. Uh, uh, yeah, John, I, I think that was – I think you're absolutely right. And another thing just about Mourinho, not just the general attitude of him, which I agree with you. Like I think I got like, carried away when he was our manager, and there's a lot of things to admire about him. But at the end, he's just kind of a scummy dude and kind of the way he talks about people and the way he talks about the, the players. And he's already doing it at Roma now, you know. They, um, they're in fourth place, but they're 12 points from the top. They got beat 6-1 by some random Norwegian team in the Conference League, and he's already trotting out the Lions we shared. Like, I only have 11 players I can use. Um, I, I can't speak to them. I prefer not to speak about the game or I'll get in trouble. Like, he's bringing out the same tired old cliches. Conte is fresh off winning the, winning the uh, Scudetto. Like, he just did that. It's not six years ago when he last won the title like Jose. He did it last year. He not only did last year, he was the guy to break Juventus's hold on that competition, which I think they had won nine or ten straight um, Italian leagues. So that's a huge accomplishment. Um, so, yeah, I think I think people, I think, would like to draw comparisons because of the Chelsea connection, because there are ten years at clubs or maybe only two or three years. But that's where the kind of that's where the comparisons and the kind of similarities end with them. Uh, other than them being winners. And I think we need to look past th- those things and focus on the bigger picture, that he is people that a lot of former players speak very highly of. Lukaku loves him. Sk- Milan Skriniar, that Italian center back we were with last year, says he will follow Conte wherever he goes. This is a guy that will be able to bring in players because of who he is. And this is a huge pickup for us. Huge. Maybe even better than Jose Mourinho was yeah. two years ago. Uh, Lucas, quick response, and then we're going to go to another question. Uh, yeah, so I, well, what John had touched on there is like if if we turn out tomorrow that this Conti thing was just a bunch of noise and it fell through or something again, I still just think that whoever we have that comes in, even if it is Ryan Mason takes over for weeks, I think it'll just – I can't imagine it being worse than what we've seen thus far under Nuno. Nate had mentioned like the fact that we had relegation stats. And I listened to, I think it was the last word on Spurs podcast I was listening to yesterday that had, uh, they had mentioned some of them. It was uh, goals scored were 18th, uh, shots were 19th, chances created were 19th, goals conceded were 16th. And then the big one is distance covered were 20th. Like distance covered doesn't take talent. That doesn't take, it doesn't take anything. It's it's running. Like, I mean, it doesn't cost anything to run. Like I, I, I can't imagine if we were to slot anybody in, 
um, that we would see an, a reaction that would be worse than what we have now. We would any kind of injection in life into us would have us give us a little bit of freedom to have. I mean, it's been two hundred and or two hours and sixteen minutes since our last shot on target in the Premier League. That's just I've never seen anything like that. This is this is brutal. Yeah. Well, um, I want to go to uh, our next question, and this one comes from Sai uh, at Saiha three thirteen. I'm sorry. Um, I just don't understand why you hire Conte unless you're ready to spend. Uh, Spurs don't spend. Does this mean Kane is now 100% gone and a few others by all of uh, Conte-type players at this point? What do you guys think? Is uh, is Conte obviously wants to spend, right, guys? Uh, uh, Nate, you look like you want to tackle this first. Again, um, I think uh, – uh out-of-date narrative, to be honest. Like, you could have said that in 2018, obviously. You could have said that when we were building the stadium. You could have said that when we were at White Hart Lane. Since we got to the new stadium, um, I don't think that's true at all. I mean, we brought in LaCelso. We spent a lot of money. We spent a lot of money on Ndombele. We spent a lot of money on Bergvine. We spent a lot of money on a ton of players in the last couple of windows. Um, we spent. We brought in a lot of guys for Jose. I mean, Gareth Bale was obviously one of them, but Hoybier, Rodon. Um, bringing in Reggion, bringing in Royale this year. I mean, I mean, we can, and this, that's even before this year. The problem is we haven't spent well, like, and I could say like, especially the last couple the first couple of windows in the new stadium, I don't think anyone's really hit where we thought they would. I feel like this year though, probably out of three out of the four signings we made, I've kind of been impressed with so far. So, you know, we have this director of football now. Like this was something we identified as a problem, our recruitment, and we've ha- brought someone in to fix it. And for the first few games, I'm liking what I'm seeing from Royale. I'm liking what I'm seeing from Romero. I'm liking what I saw from Brian Hill before the injury. The only guy I really don't trust too much is Galini, and that's alone. So if that doesn't work out, we don't have to keep him. So Fabio Paratici comes in, who's worked with Conti in the past. I'm pretty sure he's the guy that has gotten this all to happen in the first place. So I feel like we will spend with Conti. I feel like you could see us going after the Italian league again, that Vlahovic guy to come in and be the guy to replace Kane. Frank Kessie's on a free. There's a couple of guys coming on a free in January that we could be after. I think Roman Yoli is one that is expiring at the end of the year. He's worked with Conte before. There are some targets we could go out and not just in the summer. Like I'm talking right now. And I think that's what this move solidifies. You also have to remember something that like, we need to be like competing in Europe for the stadium to be making money. So it doesn't really make sense from Daniel Levy's perspective to not kind of try and bake the bank here at such a critical moment. So I think by nature of the Conti appointment, having Paratici in charge that right now we're seeing a turnaround in how we spend and how we recruit with the new stadium. Like, so I don't, I wouldn't be worried about old school Tottenham and how we use the transfer windows anymore. I think we are going going to spend big every summer on at least one or two guys. Yeah. Um, John, you're next, I think. John, you're on mute. That kind of comment really pisses me off. I mean, you look at the expenditure over the last transfer window, we were ninth. That means that there were 11 teams that spent less than us. And there were also a number of teams that spent a lot of money that didn't get anything from it. Um, We're not the only team that has bought in the past. I mean, we've spent in the past and maybe uh, the spending hasn't turned out as well as we would like it to be. But I don't see any issue with the amount of money that Spurs is, uh, is spending. 
I think that also, uh, I, and this is a little bit off, off topic here, but I hear a lot of people complaining that, well, what's Levy doing with the stadium? He's having boxing matches. He's out of NFL. This is all taken away from Tottenham. Well, that's also a lot of rubbish. I mean, if they make money by hosting NFL games, then the company makes money. Then we get to spend more money. Um, Thank you, John. <laughs> you know, it's, it is ridiculous to me to say, well, well, we need a football stadium for the football. We shouldn't have anything else there. Well, you know, get into the real world, whoever you are trying to I say mean, this that. Is, this is something that is, well, first of all, there have been boxing matches at White Hart Lane since like the 60s. But like, <laughs> like it's earlier than that, actually. They are boxing oh, there really? in the 40s. Yeah. In the 40s, in the 40s more, they are boxing. Wow. So, yeah, so that's, first of all, it's nothing new. Uh, but like, other than that, it's like, this is how we, this is how we need to do, this is what we need to do to compete. Like, we're paying, we paid uh, Jose 15 million a year. You know what that is? That's the two NFL games. That's that contract. That NFL contract's worth 15 million a year on its own. So for having those two, all that we, us sending our dead ass NFL teams over to England, because we really are. Sorry, no offense to your Dolphins, Lucas, but they're garbage this year. Um, <laughs> But so we're sending these dead ass teams over to London. We're getting 15 million to host them. And that's what we use to pay our manager salary. So like, there you go. Like, that's not even accounting the, the Joshua Usyk fight, which we're going to get more of. So like, so these, all these events, these concerts, I mean, that's one of the reasons why it took us a long time to get here because that was supposed to be the reason to get us to spend more. And COVID happened and we couldn't fill the stadium and we couldn't have these extra events. So everything like that got put on hold for another year. And we still kind of is to try to buy people so i think the bigger issue is recruitment than what we spend i'm sorry that we've kind of gone in on both people that have asked questions already but like i think we got to stop thinking about pre-stadium tottenham and think about post-stadium tottenham now and like that is from 2019 so the indombole lacelsa transfer window up till now that's where we are right now Anything before that, you can say you're right that it could have effect on where we are as a squad right now because it absolutely does. But I think we're not that club anymore in how we kind of do our business. I mean, getting Mourinho and Conte in the door is one of the is one of the signs of that. Like this is these are guys we would not be able to get come to the club before the stadium. So I think that should kind of maybe kind of help kind of dissuade any concerns on us not matching Conte's ambitions here. Let's go to Lucas next. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more on both angles. I mean, perfect example would be look at the Bears and Soldier Field, how every every time that there's like a concert that's hosted at Soldier in the summer, the Bears don't see a penny of that. Whereas any time with this new stadium, I want them – you tell me that we'll have – I think it's Saracens is supposed to play the rugby derby there once a year or whatever. The more the merrier for me. That's all money that goes back to our pocket. So, um, But I think like Nate, Nate had mentioned that – it does come down to how you spend. I don't think us spending, there's not been a problem with the spending. It's who we're spending it on. I think we all could agree that our midfield is absolutely dreadful. And if you looked at that game against uh, Man United this weekend that we'll come on to, we had a hundred, like between two guys in that midfield was a hundred million and it's the worst. So, I mean, we can't have, I think maybe one of the things that could change is the way that we, we, because of the way we spend and like Levy wanting to keep them as assets and not want to take a loss on anything, maybe that could be a little bit problematic sometimes because we hang on to guys that just aren't cutting it 
because we don't want to take a loss. But um, in terms of the actual spending, I don't see, I don't see our spending amounts as the problem. It's just how we're spending it. And we got to, we can't afford to be missing on guys when you're spending your record transfer and your record or your record signing. You can't afford to miss on that. That has to be someone that comes in and you build your team around. And unfortunately with Ndombele, I think we completely missed that one. Nope, but okay. Uh, John, John, quick responses. Yeah, I and the, and yes, we haven't been good at this in the past, but that's why we bought Patricio in. I don't know that uh, Nathan, you were pronouncing that differently. I'm probably Paratici. incorrect. Paratici. Okay, we brought in the Paratici. This is it, John. This is an Italian yeah. club now. You got to so get. It. We got to have the arms. So he's yeah, a man. Paratici. Yeah. Get it. Get yeah, it going. Enrico Palazzo, yeah. And and also, he, he stormed out the game against Manchester United. He was so disgusted. So, uh, he feels the same way we do, obviously. And he's been put in a position to bring players in. I think with him and Conte both together, um, I mean, Conte will uh, appeal to play, Italian players to come here. Patrick. Uh, Kia has, is going to be fantastic. <laughs> Let's look forward to the future. I mean that uh, I I know. I mean I I predicted that we'd win everything this year, and the reason that I did that is I thought we had a great bunch of players, and I thought Nuno would really bring out and make them play like they um, like they. I know that they can. Well, that didn't work out, but nonetheless, we're uh, let's. I'm. Um, when it comes to Spurs, I find it very difficult to be negative, and uh, I was negative after the Manchester United game. But uh, let's let's look for the future. Let's look and see what's uh, what's good on the horizon, and uh, I see a lot of that. I like the positivity, and it's it, we're finally getting to the point where I think we can start to feel a little positive again. I and mean, I think we desperately needed an injection of that as a fan base for sure. We were getting very negative for good reason, but it was uh, it, it was also becoming tough to to be a Spurs fan watching what was happening um, with the fans eating their own up even uh, on social media. Uh, but I want uh, to tackle one more question on, uh, on the Conte uh, conversation, and this one comes from uh, Peter. So Peter asks us, which of our current players will benefit the most uh, from the Conte hiring and, and who should fear for their lives? Uh, Nate? Um, I think we will see um, improvement a lot. I think in Dombele, actually. I think you're going to see a midfield that kind of works better. I think we're finally going to have a coach that wants to kind of control a game where we haven't had the last two, and I think you're going to see a midfield kind of help out with that. And that's going to mean kind of in Dombele being used finally as we intended to do, and that is to be our creative outlet. Um, instead of kind of being mired in this kind of system where we hoof it long and we got to kind of play off turnovers and things like that, we're going to be trying to control the game from the outset. You're going to see him kind of passing it up to the two forwards, which will probably be Kane and Son. I think another person that's going to benefit a lot from this is Rayon, um, because I think he's going to be he could be very good as a left wide fullback because I think you're going to have kind of him coming in late. He's basically going to be Mar Marcus Alonso, but with less of a body count. So that's what I'm looking forward to down the left-hand side. I think who might struggle is, uh, I think, Royale. But I think you could see a situation where Royale could be, like, in a back three because he's a really good defender. I've really liked him a lot, but 
What he isn't is he's not a fullback that kind of bombs down the right-hand side. That's just not his game. So believe it or not, there could actually be a scenario where the guy that this benefits the most is Matt Doherty because he was the right, he was a right wing back under Nuno. He's good at arriving late. He's good at scoring goals when he's good. We haven't seen that obviously. So there is some weird chance that you could see somehow Matt Doherty thriving in a system like this. If he decides that he shows any form he had before joining Tottenham. Uh, John, I think you're next. Yeah, I agree with you, uh, Nate. I think that Ndombele, um, if given a specific role that he's going to enjoy, is it will, will will benefit. I think those that will not benefit are those who are not prepared to put the work in. And I think there's many players that we have now who are at a crossroads. They've either got to step up and really show what they can do or they can leave. Um, we've had a lot of moaning about playing time and, and this, that and the other from some players. And that's what happens when you have a squad. And that's what happens when you're not playing your heart out when you get the opportunity to do it. And um, so I, I would be concerned uh, for many players. If they don't put it out, then they'll be out. You know, that's what I think. Lucas? Yeah, um, I thought, like, I, I definitely agree with Nate. I was thinking, like, our fullbacks, I think, will benefit um, a lot from having Conte, a guy with his type of style. Um, and I think where we'll see, I think it'll be clear pretty, I, I wouldn't be shocked if we see some guys exit in uh, January. I think one of the things Paratici or Paratici, uh, one of the things he has made it clear of since being here is he wants to try and get rid of some of the dead weight. And I think with the new manager, I think Conti will have a pretty good idea right away of who he wants to kind of go away from. But I think maybe somebody like, um, unfortunately, I think maybe somebody like Skip is going to be someone that may be left out in the sense that might get left behind a little bit in the transition of the style. But um yeah, I think definitely my the positives I would say would definitely be the fullbacks. I think Regulon's going to have a field day with this. Yeah, I I'm with you guys. Uh I I do think that it's a great opportunity for Ndombele who has the talent if he can step up and and uh really uh meet meet minds with the the new gaffer. But um uh I I think you have to think that people like Winks are already on the way out. Um, I think Deli Ali could be somebody that we could see. Uh, it could go either way. He could be somebody that could fight, fight his way back in if he shows something that Conte wants, or he could very easily be out the door like we've like we've thought he's is for the last several months. Uh, it's like he he gets another roll of the dice though with a new uh, gaffer coming in, so it's uh, he gets like one more chance. It seems like. But um, but I, I could see him struggling. I think you might be onto something there, Lucas, with Skip. Just uh, especially with Conte liking playing three at the back, like it, he might not um, need both Hoybier and and uh, Skip in his system. Which uh, what I try to feel bad with how well Skip has performed this year, but I could see him be being more relegated to a bench player or something like that. Um, 
it's definitely going to be an interesting one, and it was a great, com- a great uh, uh, question, Peter. Uh, thanks for asking that one. Um, uh, let's. Uh, any final thoughts on Conte before we kind of uh, break down this Man United game a little bit? I think we should all get down on our knees and pray tonight. But tomorrow okay. morning we have a good uh, we have a good announcement. Pray to Fabio Paratici for accepting this job and getting us Antonio Conte, and to Lucas Moore for getting subbed out of the Man United game and getting everybody to boo our manager. Uh, sorry about that, guys. I was uh, fighting with my cat who was trying to walk across my keyboard as we were recording, so I I got a little distracted there, but. Um, yeah, uh, great conversation. I'm excited about Conte coming in, uh, but let's break down this Man United game a little bit and, and kind of find out how we got got to that place in time. Um, so you, we went into United. I, I think we were thinking that this was a great opportunity. They were struggling. Um, we were struggling. Um, both coaches were kind of on the ropes here. And, um, and I, I felt... Better going into this match against any of uh, any team of uh, United's caliber uh, than I have all season, um, but it, I, we kind of like went into it. We were playing a, a little bit okay in that first half, and then we kind of get that um, uh, Ben Davis mistake that kind of led to uh, the Ronaldo kind of uh, impressive goal that you kind of tip your hat to uh, like when a player that of that quality uh, slots that in, like there's little you can do about it other than Davis doing a better job earlier on. Um, what do you guys think on this uh, Manchester United match? John? Well, I thought it was crap at the beginning. I thought it was more crap in the middle. And then as we got into the second half, I thought it was complete crap. I don't think that there's a team in any five league, in any of the five or six leagues that we have in the UK, that we would have troubled playing the way we did. Um, I cannot understand for one second why Harry Kane and Son, who are unarguably the best combination when it comes to scoring goals um, anywhere... Don't get a shot on goal. I mean, they, what on earth were they doing? I I have no idea. They didn't seem like they wanted to be there. They didn't play like they wanted to be there. And from Mr. Positive here, I was totally disgusted with the, with the whole thing. And uh, obviously, something's been done about it. But uh, beyond that, if you want to talk about specifics of how crap we were, then knock yourself out. But uh, (laughs) I don't think we need to. I mean, it was the defence was poor. I didn't blame uh, Davies much for the Ronaldo goal. I mean, it was a fabulous goal. And only one of a few players would have got that goal. All right, so we give him credit for that. But uh, we didn't get a shot on goal. I mean, Ronaldo got more shots on goal than our entire team. So... No, I mean, as I said, knock yourself out if you want to specifically break down what you thought was crap. But uh, I'm well prepared to listen to that. But, you know, beyond what I've just said, I don't 
I don't think there's anything more to say. Yeah, so, I know. I'm I, I'm with, I'm with you on that. I mean, like the performance was not good, and and I was very disappointed in players like uh, Harry Kane, who uh, um, who, do, who I'm just not seeing anything out of. And I have to hope that the new gaffer coming in with Conte will be able to turn something around in Harry Kane, like that he needs to be coached by somebody he can believe in again. Um, but I th- I think that's the only hope, and it's I. Like I can't make excuses for him anymore. He he just doesn't look like he cares, and I hope this is the change that will make him care again. Um, I think Sun was trying out there, but it just didn't amount to much. And the thing I was most frustrated with, and I'm sure you'll jump onto this next, Lucas, uh, um, the one player out there that was really playing his heart out, Lucas, was the the one that Nuno uh, subbed off, um, and. It just seemed like uh, like he was trying to get sacked. Uh, Lucas? Yeah, I mean, it it was very much more of the same. I think we had, like the United, I think, had a, I think, what was it? They had conceded 11 goals in their last three games, and we don't get a shot on target. I mean, it's just ridiculous. When It, it was so similar to watching the Burnley game or even the West Ham game. It's just, or the Vitesse game. It's just. And that one you can have a that was on a rotated lineup, but like nobody. The thing I always love about Lucas, and I sound like a broken record on this podcast, is the actually running at players. Yes, his final pass is often missed or he makes mistakes, but I, I just I wish we would have more of that mentality where you run at them and make them defend you. The United was able to do it. Burnley for Jesus for until we started running at them, they just sat in their shape for the first 60 minutes and United was the same way. We didn't make them have to defend us. And that was the big part that bothered me was that they had two defenders on yellow cards within the first 25 minutes. And we never once drove the ball at them. We should have been having, we should have been driving it at Luke Shaw every freaking time down the field. Instead, we did same thing with the wire. It's just nobody we expect like this is United. They're not a crap team. They have led holes, but like, there's not like some secret pass that we were going to unlock. Like you have to actually challenge them. And it, it was, it was really disheartening to see. And you knew once Lucas came off, I was like, well, <laughs> I don't see any way we're getting a goal now. So. Well, that yeah, was, I mean, you're absolutely right, Lucas. It's, it's mind boggling. Cause I, I, I mean, this is my first time on the podcast this year. So I've been, I had a lot of things to like watch and not say, but like, I feel like, you know, when we attack, no one ever runs into the box. No, maybe we get one body if we're lucky or if we've overloaded for a long enough time, there's two or three guys in there. But, like, right away, like, when we get the ball, even in transition, no one's making runs into the box. No one's looking for that pass because that pass isn't there because our guys just kind of hover around outside of it, pass the ball around each other, maybe try to hoof across and eventually but everything takes too long. Everything's too deliberate. And it seems like nothing kind of is nothing's intense about any of our attack. And then I was, I really noticed this a lot in the West Ham game and then they'd get forward West Ham and right away they'd have three or four guys in the box, like at least drawing out defenders, putting people on their back foot, you know, exactly as you said. And we just never seem to do that. And so I'm really hoping with new manager, that's something that we do try to change. Try to have people get into the box, have the midfield come in and arrive late because that low midfield block is fucking killing our attack. It's absolutely killing our attack. But, you know, 
even then, there's also about execution. Yeah, Lucas runs the people, but, you know, he's not a guy that's going to be kind of like, he can't be your creative fulcrum. He can't be the guy that leads you in creativity. Like, he can make those runs, he can be good on the counter, but, like, he can't be the guy that, that be, that's the maestro of your attack. And that's what he is. The problem is there's no one else. So when he came off and Bergvine came on, who's low confidence, definitely didn't help that everybody booed the hell out of the substitution, even though it wasn't directed at him. And you're just thinking they're like, we have nothing on here. Or, or I guess we didn't bring in Ndombele either, but that's just kind of proves the point further. We didn't have Reggion on. We didn't have we didn't have Ndombele on. Who was going to create out there? Nobody. And like then you hear him talk, come in the back and say like, oh, we had our most consistent defender, Ben Davies, in. And just saying like this is it's, it's absolutely hopeless. And thank God we made a decision because it was a hopeless performance. And like as even though we gave it three goals, you can tell it's bad because all we're talking about is the attack because it was so shit. Despite us giving up three goals, the attack was even worse. Yeah, no, I mean, uh, you're dead on. I think this is probably a good point to go to MVP, LVP on this one. And we'll we'll try and do this a little bit fast, but we will keep them separate. So let's start with MVP first, and we'll start with Lucas. Uh, mine was Romero. I thought Romero played fantastic. Um, it just, it was, again, it, he just looked miles above, like miles above the rest of us that day. Yeah, I, I agree with you, and he's mine, so I'll jump in there. Like, I think Romero, uh, I'm, I'm glad we have him. I think Conte's going to love to have him. Uh, John, let's go to you next. Uh, I thought Lucas Moura. I didn't think he should have been substituted. He seemed to be the only one who had any uh, get-up-and-go. Uh, yeah. I, I think you're right. Romero had a good uh, had a good game, and I'm really looking forward to seeing him more. I think he's a player we can... Uh, build a defense around, and uh, he certainly won for the future. But as for that game, I mean, I and I would have trouble finding an MVP, but I would give it to Moore. Okay, I like that. Uh, Nate, Nate, I would have to say Royale did it for me. He's been kind of my MVP of this so this season so far. I think he's just such an improvement on defending from what we've gotten in that right back position the last couple of years. And he's starting to get a little bit more confident going forward. I mean, I mean we're, he t- we had the cross in the Burnley game, but like even yesterday, he was he was getting down the right, forcing corners. None of his crosses really hit. There was that one that Daly whiffed on the uh, the bicycle kick temp, but like it's good to see that because he just joined us. He's a young guy, and if he gets confident and can grow in that position, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe he can play that right wing back position for Conte. So I like Emerson Royale. I hope he doesn't get lost in the shovel with a new management or shuffle with a new management. Um, and I'd like to see him continue to do well for us. Yeah, and good shout there. I thought I thought he was very good as well. Um, and one point that you did bring up there, like uh, we did w- win more corners in this uh, match than than we have in probably like any match this season. Um, I know because we play set piece roulette, and there's been we don't even get like one uh, one round in that. That's a game where we play for shots, but you have to come up to Chicago to 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 get the scoop on that for you for you for our English listeners, but. Um, but yeah, we we did win a lot of corners, and a lot of that was due to him. So good, good shot there. Let's go to LVP next, and Lucas, let's start with you. 
Yeah, this is kind of a cop out, but for me, it's Nuno. Um, I, I, I just, again, there was no one specifically that I just wanted to throw under the bus, but um, again, it was it was a it was a team LVP, and I thought Nuno is the reason behind that, and the substitution I thought was brutal. Um, I thought it sent a message, and even the lack of emotion on a, on a Nuno on the sideline, like Paratici had more emotion than I've seen on a Nuno since he was here in one half, so. Um, yeah, Nuno was my collective LVP, and luckily, uh, luckily that'll be the last time I say that. So, uh, John, ah, uh, well, it's very difficult, quite honestly, because it could go to any of them. So I'm, I'm just going to go with a team LVP. I, I don't think any of them really played as well as they could have done, and um, yeah, they all deserve it, and therefore does the manager. Yeah, Luke, I think you make a good point there. But uh, we'll just go with the whole team. I mean, it, it disgusts me. Um, one point about what you said, I think Nathan said, about whether or not Romero would uh, make it under the new regime. Well, he was brought in under the new regime. So I think that, therefore, his chances are going to be much better. Uh, Royale, but yeah, no, that does make it is, it's a good sign. But I just don't know if he fits the kind of wide bad the Conti leads. Yeah, Romero. Romero will fit anywhere. He's so fucking good. I love him. Yeah, uh, I think he's. A, I think he's a real talent, and we. He might be like a huge part of our teams for the next five, six years, unless we sell him to a better team for like 120 million, which would also be nice. So, yeah, I'm. I'm all on Romero. I think he's going to be fine, no matter who manages us. Um, you're on mute, but I read your lips, Anthony. Oh, who, My, uh, right? LV, um is uh is nuno as well there's no there's no one guy um everybody was there's a lot of people were equally shit the the setup was equally shit the day was equally shit the fans were really good the fans could get an mvp um but but yeah that was brutal and thank god it's over and we can hopefully move on to better things that's all i have to say thank god this is over this experiment sucked um it was worse to me it's worse than sherwood um, it's the worst time I've had been supporting Tottenham and um, Nuno. I know you're a nice dude, but go manage Barnsley or some shit. I don't know. Not here ever again. <laughs> well, um, I'm going to pick an actual player for my pick, and I'm going to say Harry Kane. Um, he just looks like he doesn't give a shit out there. He, he like He's the guy that should be picking us up on his shoulders. He's the guy that can score that should be able to score a goal regardless of whether how everybody's playing around him. Um, and and he d- just doesn't look like he gives a shit out there. And, uh, and after every all the antics this, uh, this summer with uh, trying to force the departure, I'm just kind of at the point where, like, it, he, he sucked more than everybody else for me. And, um, and I, I got to make him my LVP. But great conversation all around there. Um, so uh, we're, we're going to have a quick halftime with uh, just one segment, uh, Luke's Locks. But first, uh, uh, but, and after that, we will, um, we have, uh, we'll talk quickly about the Burnley match that happened midweek in the League Cup. We'll preview both the Conference League Vitesse match at home coming up and the Everton away on the weekend. Um, but first, let's go to Luke's Locks. Thank you, Anthony. All right, here are your four free money picks of the week. First up, Manchester City is away at United in the Manchester Derby. 
we're going to take City minus a half goal. United looks much improved because they got to play Spurs this weekend, but I don't think that City will have zero shots on target this week. So look for City to bounce back after their loss to Palace with a big derby win over United. Take them minus the half goal. Next up, uh, Chelsea minus one and a half goals at home versus Burnley. Uh, Chelsea at home is always a safe bet. Um, Burnley has very little offensively, and Chelsea is firing on all cylinders. So take Chelsea for the easy cover, and they'll win by two goals. Third, not excited to say it, but I'm going to take Arsenal minus one at home against Watford. Arsenal seem to have figured some stuff out defensively and finally gotten some goals in. So I expect them to keep things rolling with an easy win at home versus Watford. So take them, lock it in at minus one. Finally, a little positivity. We're going to take Spurs on the money line away at Everton. With Nuno gone, I think we're going to see a Spurs side with the shackles off a little bit. And I think we'll see some attacking football again. Everton's a tough place to play, but I think with this new management regime in, we'll see a Spurs attack with a few shots on goal, and a few of those will go in. So lock Spurs on the money line. That is your four Luke's locks of the week. There's your free money. Let's go get rich. Great. Well, thanks so much, Lucas. Uh, before we roll into the these uh, all these matches that we have to talk about and talk serious stuff, we're going to have a little bit of fun for just a couple minutes um, and answer a question that we got from Kyle Mates. Uh, so Kyle Mates asks us, uh, you're at a Tottenham Halloween party. Uh, what costume do you, wear, do you wear that will scare everyone at the club? Nuno. <laughs> Nate, Nate has Nuno. John, you, I think you're up next. Yeah, the ghost of uh, Billy Nicholson. <laughs> well, that would be scary, I suppose. Uh, yeah. Lucas? Oh, I just go as Sol Campbell. Oh, horrifying. yeah. That, that would be incredibly horrifying. Um, oh, geez. In oh, a new Spurs shirt. So a new Spurs shirt as if Sol Campbell was brought back to Spurs. That would be the scariest thing I could imagine. Well, I'm going to steal something that Kyle Mates put up later in the chat and uh, and gave his own answer. And it was uh, like somebody went in a Halloween costume as the Sissoko uh, uh, handball in the uh, uh, the, the Champions League final. Um, like they put the ball on their shoulder, uh, which I think oh, is pretty scary. That costume. was very good costume. I saw that, yeah. So I, I'll go with that one as my uh, my pick. But th- thanks for the question, Kyle. We uh, we we needed a little bit of lightheartedness uh, uh, rolling into the second half. Um, so just briefly, I want to uh, mention this uh, uh, Burnley match that we had. So uh, on Thursday, Nuno actually did get his last win as a, a Spurs coach, um, and that was in like a League Cup match. Um, this was uh, one where actually. Um, Lucas Mora did not start on the team, but due to uh, an inj- injury to, um, uh, geez, who was the injury to? It was to uh, Brian, Hill. Bri- Brian Hill. Yeah, Brian Hill had the uh, the injury, had to leave early. Um, he came on, and he was actually the one who scored the goal in this match. Uh, um, what did you guys think of this uh, this League Cup performance? Uh, enough to get through, but anything exciting to talk about? No. You're, you nailed it. It was enough to get through. Like, again, it was more like, like on their broken plays that we created anything. We didn't kind of build anything on our own. And then, like, I think, like, 15 of the final 20 minutes of the game, it seemed like Burnley were kind of all in on us. Um, and, again, it, it was finally a, a substitution that came late. 
they kind of bailed us out when Roden came on and we kind of got a foothold defensively when after they put on uh, a couple more of their big players because that's what Burnley liked to do. And we countered that a little late and got, I think that was good, but it took a little longer and they almost scored because of it. But yeah, it was, it was a league cup win against one of the worst teams in the league. And yeah, I mean, we've shown we can beat the worst teams in the league this year, but it's the same uninspiring one nils over and over again. And that's just what this was. Uh, John. You're on mute. Oh, you're on mute still, John. Sorry. I think a shout out to the defense, quite honestly. Um, I think they did well to keep the uh, a clean sheet. Admittedly, Burnley were not the greatest opposition, nor do I think that the League Cup is high in their priorities this year. Um, they've got a lot more to think about staying in the Premiership. And um, so, uh, yeah, it was an easy win. It was one that. Uh, I think most teams would have taken that and uh, and be happy with it. I think we're going to get a far better test of uh, in the next round to get West Ham, and hopefully the new regime will be in there and we will be firing on all cylinders when we play them. But yeah. shout out, shout out to the defense. Yeah, no, good. Show. And, like I want to give uh, Sanchez a little props there too. Like he's shown that he could be a decent partner for Ramiro possibly more so than Dyer even. Um, he might be a player that we didn't mention in the first half that, that might benefit from uh, working with Conte because he, um, he obviously makes the Colombian team regularly um, and he has flashes of uh, good performances but uh, um, also makes some bonehead plays. So maybe he's somebody that Conte could get something out of. Uh, Lucas? Yeah, Sanchez was actually, spoiler, he was my MVP, um, but there was, I think Nate pretty much summed it up what that game was, um, which, you know what, sometimes that happens in the League Cup. Um, this tournament is one of those, these cup competitions, it's all about surviving and advancing. So I would have been less, I would have been less frustrated if that was a bit of a one-off, if that was something that we had a rotated squad and it was just something that was one of those ugly, go up there, get the win and survive in advance. But the fact that that was part of a much bigger thing than trend that we were seeing was the lack of creativity. The irony was that I think, I think Brian Hill was playing okay, but when Lucas Moore came on, I think that's, again, he became the only player making runs and challenging people, winning fouls and ended up getting the goal. So I think um, overall that was exactly what I expected to see out of that game. Um, It was very similar to the West Ham game, the United game, the, the same cycle of play that we've been seeing, but um, Definitely shout out to the defense. Um, when they brought Wood and Barnes on, I thought that we pretty much knew exactly what they were going to do, which was lump balls into the box. They didn't even need to kick the balls into the box. Every throw in that they had that was near the near the attacking box, they were just launching it into the box with the throw in. So they were trying everything they could to keep the ball in the air in the box. And I think our defensive, I, I thought Roden and I thought our center backs stepped up to the job and did a really great job there. Yeah, great, great point there, and and you've given us your MVP, so I'm just going to go to everybody else, uh, uh, and we will do a, a quick MVP LVP. So Nate, Nate uh, who do you have for MVP? Um, yeah, mine was Royale again. Uh, I thought he had another very strong defense, defensive day, and he got the assist. Another good game for him. Great, great shout there, uh, John. Do you have a MVP? Well, for once, Nate, no, I agree. I thought Royale was very, very positive. Um, he's proving that he can cross the ball. And that's uh, that's a great thing. And he can defend. So 
I'm looking forward to seeing him in uh, in the team of, of the future, and uh, I think he deserved the MVP against Burnley. I, I'll give it to Lucas just to be different. Like, uh, like good goal, pl- played hard, even though he was coming in off the bench and didn't have time to warm up first. Um, like, uh, I really, uh, I felt bad for Hill, who only gets these uh, these brief opportunities. Um, uh, hopefully, he'll see some more time under Conte. He might be somebody who'd benefit, but. Um, I felt bad for him getting injured in this situation because, uh, um, like, it, it is an opportunity for him to show what he can do. And I think we've seen these brief glimpses of, uh, of the potential player he could become there. So, but, um, but Lucas, my MVP. Uh, LVP, uh, let's start with Lucas again. Uh, mine was LaCelso. Um, I just, I wish to see more out of him in that game, in a game where we had been, again, with the lack of creativity. I just I wanted to see a little bit from him. He had a nice player, too, had that one where he got on goal and wasn't able to finish it. Um, but that was in a moment, again, that we really needed that goal. And, yeah, LaSalle, for me, was just underwhelming again. Nate? Nate? Nate, you frozen? Nate. Uh, oh, Nate's frozen. Let's go to John. Um. Yeah, I'm. I'm kind of with you, Luke. Uh, Lacelso, he continues to disappoint me. You know, it, I'm hearing about these great performances he does for the international team and what potential he has. And then he comes on the field with Spurs, and you don't see any of that. And we certainly didn't see any of that in Burnley. Um, I think that it's got to be difficult for South American players in general to go to Burnley on a wet, windy night um, where the conditions, I mean, the wind was very, very strong. And uh, I think that had an impact on the uh, on the whole thing. But, uh, yeah, he's just got to, he's got to knuckle down and he didn't do it against Burnley and, you know, if you're playing in the British League, you've got to knuckle down on a Thursday night at Turf Moor, even if it's raining and blowing like a gale. So I would agree. And Nate, uh, am I back? Can you you're hear back. me? Yep. Yeah, we can hear oh, you. yeah. I mean, I was going to say uh, Hoybier because I thought like we just had very, I mean, when, when uh, Burnley pressed us, I think we had very little control over the midfield. I think a lot of that was due to just maybe this is just me kind of having a cumulative kind of dis- – not disappointment, but I think people overrate him. I think people overrate Hoiberg because he says things and he has very spirited in the way he plays, but I just find him offering very little. And I think in a situation late in that game when we couldn't keep the ball in the midfield, that's when I want someone like him and LaCelso for that matter as well to kind of do better. And that happens a lot when we play. And I think that's down to just Hoiberg not be able to kind of control the ball. Well, and I think it was again, a situation today for, for LaCelso. I do agree that he's struggled. And he, again, he struggled against United as well. There was that through ball that he just totally fucked up the sun in the second half early. Then when we had a really good chance to actually get in behind them. Um, but like the thing with him is like, at least, Though he's trying those and he's getting positions to do them. He, in the Burnley game, he didn't score, but he got in that one-on-one position for that for that huge opportunity. So, but with Hoybier, 
I just don't see enough. And like when I, when people talk about our midfield in the future, the guy I want to drop is him. Like I think Skip is better as a defensive midfielder, and I think Lacelso and Andamale are better at creating. So I'd rather have that midfield be the one that gets us forward rather than Hoyberry kind of being in a starter in that capacity. I think he's got a role in the squad, but I don't need to see him in our starting midfield. And the, his kind of limitations just came out to me in this game. Yeah, I, I think you have a good point there. Like, uh, Hoybier has multiple skills set, and I think you can do a little bit more going forward than Skip can. Um, but if you're looking at, like, we have to have, like, one solid uh, defensive midfielder, Skip might be the guy. Uh, and so, Skip had another really good game before he got subbed out on that game as well, I thought. Yeah, so I I, I think you make a really good case there. Um <sighs> I like both of your guys' uh, pick. I think I'll go with Lucelso just, uh, um, I, and I hope he's a guy that that Conte can can uh, take his, under his wing and maybe get something out of him. He does have the talent at times for getting something out of uh, players that have skill that um, are underperforming in certain systems. So um, maybe Lucelso could be that guy, and I certainly hope he is. But the, he he was atrocious in this one. Um, well, great conversation there. Uh, we do uh, advance and take on uh, West Ham, as John said, in the um, just the week before Christmas. Um, so, uh, and we finally got a home fixture, so that will be uh, interesting. A little bit, possibly a little bit of revenge for uh, um, the recent poor performance against West Ham. Uh, but let's uh, let's talk about these two upcoming matches that we have to preview. Um, so. First up uh, this Thursday, and this could be uh, Conte's first manage, uh, um, first match coaching. Uh, so it could be a very interesting match to watch. Uh, we take on uh, Vitesse at home. This is Thursday, November 4th. That's 3 p.m. here in Chicago um, uh, due to English Daylight Savings Time, I think. Um, currently, uh, Vitesse sits in fifth place in the air to VC with 19 points that's six wins one draw and four losses uh their current form is most recently a 2-1 win uh, on saturday to heron um they lost to go go ahead eagles right after they beat us um as i said they beat us um and uh, they won their previous two two performances Uh, um on sunday they do take on utrecht at home um, their top goal scorers right now is uh, a guy named Ikoma Lois uh, Openda with five. Uh, Nikolai Baden with three is behind him. Uh, U- Usama Defalor, uh and Maximilian Wittick both have two assists. Wittick is their top rated player with 7.57. And then Jacob Rasmussen behind him with 7.36. Um, the only prior time that we faced these guys were was the 1-0 loss that we did away when we sent uh, just our uh, bench players or uh, the reserves. Um, so um, we haven't had a look at them against a, a stronger squad yet. So what do you guys think on this one, John? Well, let's face it. Um, we went away with a complete second team and we only lost 1-0. Had we had any decent substitutes to bring on 
after 60 minutes, we would have scored a couple of goals and we would have won that game. I don't consider them... Uh, I think if we put... Uh, we could put the same team out that started away, quite honestly, and because the defence held them most of the time. And then if it's still hanging around after 60 minutes, then put the big guns on for half an hour. Put Kane and Son on and, and uh, Le Celso and, and let's let's really kick something up. But... However, they play it. I think they're. I think they're going to win easily. Um, I'm. I'm going to go with three nil. If we, uh, I know we're not talking about predictions yet, but I'm going to talk. I think we're going to win this three nil. Um, I think there's a lot to be said for the unchaining, if you like, of the team, um, unshackling of the team, and um, this will be a first opportunity for them to just really get out there and enjoy themselves and and play the kind of football they can. Um, I still think that we should be playing largely B team in this competition at this point. Um, but, but a slightly better team than we did the last time and have substitutes on the bench so that we can do something if we need it. And Either better way. tactics because, you know, I don't know about you, John, but like the fact that we just threw Stain Scarlet up there in that game and just kind of left him to die with their giant center backs just by hoofing long balls at them just was in no way a successful strategy. And that's what I would like to see better strategy with our new manager. But I think it's, it's a bit different this time. First of all, I think this is a must win for us to advance. We, we really need to win this game. And also I think Condi's going to want to know really what he's got. So I definitely could see this as a situation where, um, we're going to have a little bit more starters than we usually would just because Connie's going to be like, okay, let's see how we can play, how I can get these guys set up. What's everybody's reaction to me being here? Those kind of things. And maybe, maybe we actually need to see that more from like the Winxes and the Delis as well. But I think we will see a healthy mix of first team players in there too. No, I, th- I think you're right, Nate. Like uh, simply because Conte is coming in, like I think he's going to want to play a stronger side to start. Like, I do think, uh, as John mentioned, like uh, like we can bring some of these guys off the bench later in the match and maybe ro- have a bit of a rotation here, um, especially with how many subs that you have in this competition, like that you can make the five subs. Like it gives you a little bit of flexibility to, to start out weaker um, and then bring the big guns on later. But I think Conte's going to want to see what he's got, especially after only one, tra- probably two training sessions before this match. Um, like it, this might be the opportunity to tr- try some shit out. And uh, I'm I'm excited to be watching it. I can't wait to get out of the pub to watch this match. Uh, Lucas? Yeah, no, I, I think we'll see a healthy mix. Um, just mostly because this is a... This is kind of that swing game. If we want to get out of the group, we definitely have to win this one. Um, they're, I think they have six points. We have four. Um, we get another game against Murrow, which should be a win. But this this is the one at home that we need to actually win to put ourselves back in the driving seat to actually get our way out of the group. So I think we'll see, um, we'll see a healthy mix. And we'll definitely, the big advantage to what John was talking about too, is we'll be able to have, even if we do line up, with a very rotated side, we'll be able to have all of our big guns on the bench, which is something we didn't have the first time around. So I definitely foresee this one being a lot 
a lot more entertaining to watch than the last time. But um, I don't think we'll have any problem. And I think we'll see a healthy mix. Okay, well, uh, let's go to uh, predictions. And I'll start. John already gave us uh, 3-0, but we'll come back to you for goal scorers. Um, I'm going to say 5-1. I think this is going to be a high-scoring affair. Um, not only do I think it's going to be a high-scoring affair, I think it's uh, it's going to be a lot of our starters that actually do the scoring. Um, I'm going to give uh, two, to, two to Kane, uh, one to Sun, one to Ndombele, who I think has some shit to prove. One to, and one to Lucas, because uh, Lucas is uh, loves this competition. Um, so, yeah, 5-1 for me. John, who are your goal scorers? Oh, you're on your mute again. Gee, that's three times the charm. Thank you. Um, <laughs> I, I'm not sure that Kane is going to be on there long enough to score, but I do think Lucas will. Um, hopefully, uh, La Celso will get a goal and son. Okay, Nate. I say three one. I think we're gonna get Sun two and then one from Reggion, his first goal for the club. Oh, uh, that'd be great. Uh Lucas. Yeah, I think we're gonna see four nil. Um and when John John had just mentioned that Kane might not be on there long enough to score, but he had a hat trick against Murrah in this competition and he was only on for like 20 minutes. So <laughs> I don't think Kane will have any trouble getting in the score sheet. I got two for Kane, one for Sun, and one for Bergvine. I think Bergvine finally gets off the mark and gets back in scoring form. Four oh, oh, I hope you're right because Bergvine needs a goal. Like, and, and he's like a player that like, I just like, I feel like if he, he could score a couple, maybe, maybe he'll turn around. Or he's just going to fizzle and die. But, uh, yeah, I, I hope you're right. Um, let's see. So let's go uh, move on to the Everton match. So this weekend, uh, this will probably be Conte's first big test as, as a, a Spurs uh, coach. Um, we're, we'll be facing an Everton that's kind of struggling. At, um, I think we were talking beforehand. Yeah, Benitez is kind of getting a lot of heat from the Everton fans at this point. Um, but we take on Everton away Sunday, November 7th at 8 a.m. Um, uh, here in Chicago. Uh, they currently sit 10th place right behind us, who are 9th in the league with 14 points. Uh, that's four wins, two draws, and four losses. Um, most recently they lost today, uh, Monday, uh, 11, one, um, two, one to the wolves away. Uh, prior to that, they lost to Watford. They lost to West Ham prior to that. They drew man United and then they beat Norwich. So like their only win in the last five matches was Norwich who is absolute bottom of the table without wins. Uh, upcoming, they take after us. They take on uh, Man City next Sunday, November twenty first. So, uh, so this is not going to get any better for them at this point. So, they really want to um, take away a home win before going to, away to City. Uh, their top goal scorer right now is uh, Pierre Dominic. Uh, no, I'm sorry, Dominic Calvert Lewin. A uh, editing error. Um, Andros Townsend and Damari Gray, they all have three goals. Um, uh, Dakari is their top assist man with 
four and Andros Townsend and Damari Gray both have two behind him. Dakare is the top rated player with 7.98 and uh, Townsend is behind him with 7.47 and Gray behind him with 7.32. Last five times that we faced Everton, um, we most recently drew them 2-2 in April. Um, Prior to that, we lost to them in the FA Cup 5-4 in a a high-scoring affair uh, prior to the departure of Jose Mourinho. Um, we lost to them uh, 1-0 in September 2020 um, and beat them 1-0 in July uh, 2020 after the restart um, and then uh, uh, drew 1-1 in November 2019. So um, kind of a back-and-forth performance uh, with them. Obviously, we got the new gaffer, uh, di- different team for in both cases, what do you guys think on this Everton match? Let's start with uh, Nate. Well, they're in kind of a bit of a free fall in the moment. You know, they lost today the when they didn't look great. They made a horrible mistake for the second goal. Um, apparently, they're terrible defending set pieces. But you really have to look at that Watford game, which was at home. when they, I think they were up 2-1 with like 15 minutes, and they just utterly collapsed. And Watford ended up winning 5-2. And it's Watford we're talking about. That's not like they're in a situation where they have Rafa Benitez, who is the Liverpool legend coaching at Everton. A lot of fans weren't really happy with him there in the first place. And now he's having trouble. And it could just use definitely a situation where if we do well there, they could have a very similar toxic atmosphere like we had against United. So it's really like I think it's a situation where if we get on them quickly, we can kind of just kind of take their kind of any kind of energy they have away because i don't know if we win how long benitez is going to last there because it's just not been a good start for them well it was a good start for them but these last three or four games have been a nightmare i mean they they they, the draw against united was when united were like top but ever since then i mean back-to-back home defeats losing on the road to wolves you know it's not been good just as bad just as i was been bad for us it's been bad for them so calvert lewin's injured so that's a big that's going to be a huge problem for them but and we're going to have a new manager so there's I'm kind of going in this game a little confident which scares the shit out of me especially with how we've been playing recently but I think like as bad as we have been Everton have been just seemingly just as bad recently so there's a there's a big opportunity here for get for us to get a win and kind of get our Premier League season back on track uh Lucas Yeah I think like I mentioned in Luke's locks too, I think we're going to see, I think we're going to see a lot of, a lot more freedom from these guys to actually go forward. Um, just, just going to be really refreshing. I'm a little bit reserved to like Nate mentioned, because I keep getting my hopes up and was expecting and seen it. But I think with, I think with the appointment of the new manager, I think it's going to have a massive effect on us. And I think we're catching them at a good time here where, and especially going into the international break too, which we have following that. I think this will be a great time to go get our shit back together and get back on track going into the international break. And then we can start working. Maybe if it is Conti, we'll be able to get, get some time with the guys on the training ground and start actually pointing our Premier League season back to where we want it to be. Yeah. Uh, John thoughts. Yeah, I think uh, this is kind of a tricky one, isn't it? Because, uh, as Nate said, that Everton just 
have gone off the boil very badly. I watched that Wolves game this afternoon and um, could easily have been watching Tottenham as far as Everton were concerned. Um, and then how are we going to change under a new manager? Um, and if things go well, which, uh, you know, as the eternal optimist, I hope they will, and that the new guy um, starts to get Spurs playing as we know they should and as they can, as they can. Um, I don't see Everton coming out of this um, slump, quite honestly, uh, until after the uh, uh, the international break. Uh, and the injuries that they've got are tough. Um, so I, if you put all that together right now, I think we've got a good chance of winning. Um, but there's a lot of ifs and buts and maybe some whatever in there as well. Yeah, it, it certainly is. Like I, I'm cautiously optimistic with this this weekend match. Um, I really think it's a great opportunity under, and I think we have to assume this this Conte thing is legit here. Um, under him, like even with just a week to prepare for this. Um, we have a team that's kind of in free fall next to us. Like uh, we've grabbed onto the wall, and th- and we have the chance to, to to knock them to the down the elevator shaft. I guess to mix my metaphors here, but um, regardless, I'm I'm excited for the change as much as like I really tried to back Nuno and felt that. Uh, like he was a nice guy he seemed to have some ideas it obviously fell apart and fell apart in a bad way and now that we have this change coming in I, I, I'm hoping that we can ride this bounce that, that you get sometimes when you have a new coach in that you just can, can kind of uh, um knock out a couple of victories and, and change things and teams can get behind them. And then it takes a little bit of time after that to get things together in the long run. But like you, you get that little immediate bounce and I'm hoping that we can ride that into this Everton match away and, and kind of uh, put, put together a good performance. Let's go to predictions on this one. Uh, so uh, let's uh, start with uh, John first for predictions. Well, I'm going to go with my favourite prediction. I think we're going to win 2-1 and Kane and Son are going to both score. I Just like for it. a change. <laughs> I like it. Like, who, who else is going to score? Uh, Nate, let's go to you next. I was going to be my pick, but I'm going to change it up because I don't want to have the same as John. So I'm also going to pick 2-1, but I'm going to have it be Kane and Bergvine. Let's go. I like it. I like it. Um, uh, Lucas? Uh, I have us at 3-1, and I think we're going to have goals from Kane, Son, and just to make me eat my own words, I think Ndombele is going to have one, too. So 3-1, okay, right. Kane, Son, and Ndombele. I like it. Uh, I'm going to say uh, Kane uh, – three. I have 3-1 as well. Uh, I'm going to say Kane, Bergvine, and Lacelso comes through with one here. Um, I think – 
I hope Conte can get something out of him. Um, well, um, we any final thoughts uh, on the week that was? I mean, it was kind of like uh, I think we opened up with how weird of a 24 hours it, it was, like going from like the sheer down of how poorly we performed against United and then into Nuno sacking in the morning and then uh, um, a Conte appointment being almost imminent. Um, let's finish with some final thoughts about how we feel about how this, <laughs> the, this week was. And I think, Lucas, you had your hands up first. Oh, John, oh. John, go ahead, John. John, go first. Well, I was going to say, let's put this whole bloody week behind us. Um, yes, it was dreadful. Yes, it was um, it was forgettable. So let's forget about it and move on. And forget about it. Yeah, forget Sorry. about it. Yeah, well, we're <laughs> back on the Italian. Back to the Italian. Yeah, you dropped, you dropped the line. I had to come in there. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I love it. I love it. But yeah, just to keep the Italian theme going, forget about it. Okay, well, maybe that's our episode name. Uh, we'll, we'll have to talk about it after. But uh, Nate, final thoughts? I mean, I would just say, like, you can always remember just in the Premier League, like, things can change really, really quickly. And it's been kind of shit for a while. But, you know, it was shit for a little bit before Pochettino came in. And all of a sudden we had that game against Aston Villa where it looked like everything was going to go wrong. And then a Harry Kane to reflected free kick went in the net and all of a sudden we were off and running. So, you know, things look at Chelsea last year. I mean, they sacked Frank Lampard um, and Tuchel, Tuchel fell into their lap and they went from being outside the top four to winning the Champions League. So you, you when you get in a guy like this and you have a squad that despite what we've seen a lot is still very, very talented across the board. Um, it's, it's okay to, kind of feel a little bit excited again. I know you don't want to get burned, but you know, if you don't do that, if you don't get excited, you don't hope we can do better then then what's the point of watching? So, so I would say feel excited, feel optimistic. This could be a fun time. I, I like that. Like fun time is definitely something I want to feel again. Uh, Lucas, we'll give you the, the, the final thoughts. Yeah. I think my, the big thing that I have that has me with some, optimism here is that we made this move early enough so yes the last last couple months have been definitely forgettable but um we're still in four competitions um we're in the quarterfinal of the league cup we could still get out and go maybe win the conference league or something who knows how with how crazy the premier league's been this year maybe some teams falter we find our way making top six or pushing for top four everything's still on the table and i think reading off those stats and stuff that show where we've been the last few months that there's really not a lot of places to go other than up. So the cause for optimism is high. We can forget these last couple months and this past week and start having fun again. And hopefully we can start playing the kind of football that all makes us excited to watch Spurs. So I think there's definitely a cause for optimism here and I'm excited to have something to look forward to over the next couple months for sure. Yeah, let's have fun again. That, that 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 that's a good way to look at this. But that about wraps up the episode. So thank you so much to Lucas, Nathan, and John for being on today. Um, uh, thanks to Tommy for editing and sound today. Charlie for the music. Kevin for social media. 
Lucas for Luke's Locks, Kimberly for the logo, and as always, the Atlantic Bar and Grill for having a place to watch our matches. Uh, definitely come out there. Um, it's uh, it's been it's been great being back. The crowds are coming back. Uh, people are feeling safer as they get vaccinated and revaccinated. So definitely keep coming out. Um, find our merchandise at Big Head Media. Um, find us both on Spotify and Stitcher. Hit the subscribe button and write us a review on iTunes if you like our podcast and give us a review wherever you get your podcasts. Check us out on Twitter and Facebook at Four Star Spurs and our website at fourstarspurs.com where you can find all of our uh, uh, past episodes and, and some uh, written word there too as well. Um, but that about wraps it, wraps it up, so come on, Spurs.